This episode of Your Teen with Sue and Steph is sponsored by Automatic, the connected car assistant that gives you more knowledge about your car and the confidence to worry less on the road. Visit Automatic.com and enter the code TEENDRIVER, one word, all in caps, for a $10 discount. Welcome to Your Teen. I'm Sue. And I'm Steph. We are the co-founders of Your Teen Media, the resource for parenting tweens and teens. And today we are talking about teenagers and sleep with Dr. Mark Milstein. But before that, we're going to talk about our experiences with sleep and our kids' experiences with sleep. So first of all, full disclosure, I took a third of a Tylenol PM last night and slept like a baby. So... While there is some evidence that it only creates amnesia and I didn't sleep well, I'm so happy. <laughs> Wait, what's wrong with amnesia? Oh, yeah. Speaking of the woman who had versed yesterday. <laughs> oh, that's totally true. I did have a procedure. Let's not make like I'm just like yeah. taking versant. Like, oh, at 2 o'clock, wow, I should take a versant. Okay, so sleep is a chronic problem in our society. And, and really the solution for many of our teenagers' issues The highest priority many experts have told us is to get control of your sleep because that impacts teens' mental health and wellness and ability to learn, and it's just a really important thing. Clearly, I didn't learn it, or at this point in my life, it's not going so well for me. What we've learned from sleep experts over time is that there are a number of things we can do to improve our sleep. Like, for example, going to bed at the same time seven nights a week and waking up at the same time seven mornings a week is best practices. That is going to get you the best sleep patterns. But tell that to your kid. Even in our own lives, who's doing that? Like, it's so unsatisfying to think about Friday night being 9.30 or 10 o'clock or whatever it is. It, It kind of feels badly. So a number of those things that are the antidote to poor sleep habits are just not that exciting. It's a little bit like dieting. Like we know what healthy food looks like. We can get told over and over again that the decisions where the choices we're making aren't healthy ones. And we say to somebody, how do I lose weight? (laughs) Right. Or how do I eat healthier? And they give you the exact same scenario. I was thinking about if if we had gone to bed at the same time on the weekend, I would have missed Fantasy Island (gasps) on the weekend. (gasps) And that would have changed everything. Oh, my God. That would have changed everything for me. Love Boat 9 to 10, Fantasy Island. And then Fantasy Island. I know. So, But now kids can watch anything, anytime. So now that doesn't matter. But I was thinking about, (laughs) you're talking about going to bed at the same time. And I have this conversation, two conversations we have in our house all the time with spouse and with children is, you know, oh, my God, you know, go to bed. Like, why are you up so late? And I would say Todd does go to bed the same time every night. He falls asleep on the couch around 10. <laughs> and, then, and then he gets up to bed at, like, 1230. He can't quite fall asleep. I'm like, dude, just go to bed. Just go to bed. To and the bed. To the bed. That is a good audible. Yes, to the bed. And then the other is that with the kids, and I know I'm a broken record, I will say, you know, you should get into a pattern so your brain knows that it's getting ready for sleep. Whether that is you've turned off your devices and then go take your shower and then maybe lay out your outfit for tomorrow or do whatever, like just whatever that your body's starting to know that that's what's happening because we've been through enough sleep issues with one of our children in particular. I know what to do and they know what to do because I say it constantly. 
but none of us follow it. We might follow, I might follow a piece of it or pieces or I'm better at sometimes than others. And the other thing is it's the whole device in the room, right? So I know if I have to get up really early or an unusual time for something, I'll bring my phone upstairs, which normally I keep downstairs, but I want to set an additional alarm. I definitely don't sleep as well. Now, someone could say, oh, it's because you're nervous about getting up. Well, which came first? Am I nervous about getting up or is it because when I get up, the phone is there and it's tempting to check it? More than tempting. I then take the phone and check Instagram, check my email, all those things, which is stupid. Well, I'll put out there that, that the night before travel, if it's an early flight, there's no sleep in my life. It doesn't matter where my phone is because I'm just so nervous I'm not going to get up. Like, I'm going to yeah. fall asleep an hour before my fl- I'm supposed to get up and miss the flight even though I haven't slept all night. That's my big fear. But the other thing I was just sitting here thinking about is I count the hours until I'm back in my pajamas and back in my bed. So I love sleep. Like, I can't wait. I love my bed. I say it all the time. I turn to my husband and go, I love our bed. I love my bed. I love our bed. And do you sleep well in it? Do I sleep well in it? It depends on the night and it depends what's going on. But I love, I literally, like I'm sitting here right now, I'm like, oh my God, I can't. Like, as I said it, I start to shake. Like, I think I have, like, (laughs) there's such a thing as sleep addiction. I'm so excited to get back to bed. I feel like it's, like, it has so much potential every night. It's so sad because it could be something really good. It's like prom. You know how, like, prom has a lot of potential. It could be really good. And in the end. Wow, your bed has the same potential as prom. That is, I don't know what to say. I do have thoughts, but we may not want to put them on our our podcast. Oh, boy. No, but I do. I look, I guess my point is, I... I love sleep. I love, I know my body needs it. I love, I don't know. It, it, it's no, I, full of I, promise. I, it's I, full of promise. I and totally I feel pro- understand that. <laughs> but the thing is, if you don't get a good night's sleep typically, yeah. then it, it has like this disappointment also because I know I'm going to get in bed and I'm just going to lie there with my eyes <gasps> open. You know, that's a whole thing too. And again, I really could be a sleep therapist because I know so many of these things because of Ethan is that they're... That whole anxiety tied to and, like, once you start not sleeping and then you're afraid you're not going to sleep, it, it's just a vicious, vicious cycle. So trying to break that pattern. All of it's about breaking the I pattern. Know. I remember with infants having newborns and it would start to get dark and I would really start to cry because I knew the night ahead of me wasn't a good <sighs> night's sleep. Mm. Do you remember that? Oh, boy. Mm. Okay, let's get moving forward. We can't wait to hear what our guest, Dr. Milstein, has to say to help us out in this area. And hopefully his words are going to be the impetus for all of us to change our unhealthy patterns around sleep. We can't wait for you to join us. Okay, Sue, so you've taught five kids how to drive. What worried you the most? What worried me the most was that the day before they had their license, I was a wreck driving with them. And then the next day they have their license and they literally look at me and say, Mom, I got it. And what they mean by that is that the state has proclaimed me a safe driver, but I don't have that feeling at all. So they get in their car and they drive off and my primitive mom reaction says to them, Call me when you get there. In some, like, what does that mean and why does it protect them? But I need it. So let me guess, one of them forgets to text? 
Of course. Okay, so what do you do then? You go to our sponsor, Automatic, which offers a connected car assistant, which I love. The whole setup was so easy. You download the app, plug this really small device into your kid's car, and you're up and running. So I can check for that kid that, of course, forgot to text me and make sure they actually arrived where they said they were going. It's amazing. You don't have to nag your kid. You can totally control it on your own. You can just look at your app and see that they arrived where they said they were going. But for me, the thing I love most about Automatic is that you get roadside assistance. That's always been a huge worry of mine. It's such a no-brainer, and you too can have this peace of mind. Visit Automatic.com and order yours today. The connected car assistant that gives you more knowledge about your car and the confidence to worry less on the road. Visit Automatic.com and enter the code TEENDRIVER, one word, all in caps, for a $10 discount. Dr. Mark Milstein is a scientist, researcher, and professional speaker. He specializes in breaking down the latest scientific breakthroughs into a clear and accurate picture for physicians, therapists, companies, and anyone who's looking for simple solutions to improve their health and happiness. Mark, we're so excited to have you here and learn all about teens and sleep. So what are the most common complaints you hear either from parents about their teenagers or from the, from the teenagers themselves when it comes to sleep? From the teenagers, a lot of it is is that they're not getting enough, that the school is either starting too early or that the responsibilities of homework or after-school activities is not allowing to get enough sleep. From I think parents is essentially the same, is the, the concern about not getting enough sleep and also all the distractions with social media and screens keeping kids up later than they than they should be. Do teenagers wake up in the middle of the night? Is that like an older person's problem or do kids also have that? So the way that we all sleep essentially after we're just a few years old, we all sleep in a cycle and that cycle is about 90 minutes. And so every 90 minutes we do wake up, but Oftentimes, we're not aware of it. We're not conscious of it. But waking up throughout the night is actually very normal. And it's actually one of the first things that is very helpful for people to understand that people are so concerned about getting a great night's sleep that when they hear that actually waking up is very normal, it's actually a relief to people that it's 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 a normal process. So if you wake up in the middle of the night, that's really not the issue. If you're having trouble getting back to sleep, that can be a problem. But waking up is, is not a problem. And so... That's teenagers, that's kids, that's everybody is getting up like that. Yeah, everybody. I mean, past when you're first born, the first year or so, depending on the how the brain's developing, there's the, the sleep cycle is different. But once, once that all essentially calms down in, in the development stages, then everybody does follow a, a similar pattern. Okay, so then the problem there lies in the kid who can't fall back asleep. Yes, yeah. So waking up is not an issue, but falling, not falling back asleep is definitely, at any age, a problem. Can you give us some, are there tips? Are there things people can do to improve that? Yeah, definitely. One thing is to think about the light in the room. And so especially the light from the devices, the screens and the cell phones, it's so tempting nowadays to check your phone at one or two in the morning and see what you missed. And unfortunately, that light that comes from those devices wakes the brain up. And so a really good tip is that put your phone in another room when you're asleep because that temptation to check it can be so strong and that, that dose of or that burst of light is very can really wake up the brain. So 
keeping those types of lights out of the bedroom is important. The other thing is that realizing that waking up is normal. And if you have that thought that is swirling around your head and you can't stop worrying about it or can't stop thinking about it, something that's really, really simple, but it's been shown in studies to be effective is have a little pen and paper by your bedside and write the thought down and scribble it down and tell yourself, this idea is safe. I will deal with it in the morning and I don't need to keep thinking about it now. And it sounds so simple, but there's actually studies that show when people do this, they get back to sleep much more effectively and they sleep better through the night. So kind of downloading and offloading those thoughts onto paper is a really helpful tip. So I had the advantage of reading and and listening to you prior to this interview, and I heard that tip. And honestly, I've had a pen and a piece of paper next to my bed, and it is such a relief. It actually, it feels like I just actually took it out of my brain and put it on a piece of paper. My husband asked somebody about sleep, and they said, turn your alarm clock so that the light isn't facing you. So, Mm -hmm. and it totally worked. Like, it's just such a funny thing that little things, right? Like not having your phone in your bedroom is not a huge deal. And turning the the alarm clock around and having a piece of paper and a pen, not such significant life changes. And that can really make a difference in your sleep. Yeah, that's, that's what's so interesting about sleep is that definitely a very complicated process. But some of the actionable tips that really work are really simple things. And they're things that are not very, very doable and not hard to to implement. So in the instance that those things don't work when a kid wakes up in the middle of the night or any other sleep problems that you know about, do any of them represent like a bigger problem where you would say these are the signs to look for and then what you should do after that? Definitely. So the first thing is when someone's having trouble sleeping, we want to take a step back and look at essentially their whole day and their bedroom and really have a checklist and and some things that people can look into are things called sleep hygiene, really setting up the bedroom in a way that's really um, helpful to help to help us get a good night's sleep. And then thinking about what we're eating throughout the day and how much exercise and how much natural light we're getting during the day. A lot of us spend so much time indoors and our brain is really tuned to get ample natural light. And then as we just talked about real darkness uh, while we're sleeping. But if those things aren't working, then definitely it's really important to seek out the help of a personal physician. And the first stop would be just a general practitioner and an internist. Talk about this issue, bring it up. Don't be afraid to to talk about it. And just like you said, always we want to dig deeper. Is anything else going on that could be causing the sleep issue? Because the sleep issue could make the underlying condition worse or vice versa. And so we always want to be on the lookout and, and be aware of a sleep issue as something that we want to not ignore and just say, oh, you know, everybody has trouble sleeping or this is just a phase. If it's going on for more than a couple of days, everybody has bad night sleeps from time to time. That's just normal. But if it's really consistent, then we want to exactly, as you said, dig deeper and, and seek out the help of a physician. And can worry about sleep actually cause more sleep issues? Definitely. So yeah, so one of there's there's some studies that suggest that 60% of all of our sleep issues are rooted in stress. And so not only day-to-day worries and our to-do lists and what we have to get done and what we didn't get done and and all of those things are absolutely things that really cause us to not get a good night's sleep. But because we hear that sleep is so important, a common complaint is, I'm so concerned that I'm not getting enough sleep that I can't get good sleep or that I'm waking up in the middle of the night and now I'm panicking. And so not only is the information useful that you do wake up every night multiple times during the night, that's not something to worry about. But another actionable tip is just mindfulness, is that practicing you know, 10, 15 minutes of some breathing exercises in the hour before bed 
or in the middle of the night. One way I like to think about it is you wouldn't drive your car 100 miles an hour, you know, from the freeway into your garage, you would slow down. And so a lot of us, we work or we do that last chore or that last thing on our to-do list up until the moment we need to go to bed and just saying, wait a second, I need a transition. I need a moment to calm down. I need some breathing exercises or some soft music or some light stretching, but something that we can make a habit of that we can say, I'm not going to, I'm going to transition away from all the worries and stresses of the day. And I can have something I can turn to that will just help me relax and calm down. And so that I'm not worried about all the stresses plus not getting a good night's sleep. That's excellent. How about, we hear a lot about the required number of hours that teens need. Can you talk, speak to that? And also, what about, is there a difference in the quality of sleep between teens? Could two teens have different quality nights, if you will, or different quality of sleep? Yeah, that's, those are great points. So teenagers, you're think, we're thinking somewhere in the neighborhood of nine and a half hours of sleep a night. Most Teenagers are not getting anywhere near that amount, but we really want to get the word out that that is critically important for long-term and short-term health. And another thing that we're really, really focusing on is what you mentioned is this quality of sleep, that all sleep is not the same, that effective sleep. And that doesn't mean that we would say, oh, well, I'll, I'll get seven instead of nine, but I'll make it really effective. We, we want to think about getting the right number of hours, which everybody is not exactly nine and a half, not every teenager, but a nice test is when you wake up in the morning, do you feel good? As simple as that sounds, if a nap is normal throughout the day, but if someone is feeling sluggish and exhausted and they're dragging themselves out of bed and they, they constantly falling asleep, then that person is not getting an, enough rest. And we want to be somewhere in that neighborhood of nine and a half for, for teenagers. And the quality or the effectiveness of sleep is where we start to think about the what the bedroom is like. So what you talked about, those little tricks like turn the alarm clock around, get the phone out of the room, mindfulness before bed, making sure that we are not having a lot of extra things light up the room. You know, we have this modern level of darkness, not real darkness, but modern darkness in our room with streaming devices lit, lit up or, you know, cell phones charging. And so getting that quality of sleep is really important for the brain to be at its optimal levels the next day. So that's a great segue to my question, which is, I, like, I hate feeling tired. And mm -hmm. I, I know that my kids hate feeling tired. But to me, sleep was always about getting enough so that I didn't feel tired. There's so much talk right now about sleep being so much more than just that. So mm -hmm. what are we suffering from if we're, if we're not resting our bodies enough, short-term and long-term? So I'll, I'll start with the scariest, <laughs> the scariest aspects of this, which is, Basically, every night while you sleep, your brain washes itself. So it, 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 this part is amazing, which is that your brain squeezes out and shrinks down and squeezes out toxins, trash, waste, and essentially garbage that's in the brain. And then fluid comes into your brain and you literally give your brain a brainwash. This is actually one of our biggest breakthroughs in brain science. And the scary part of this is that if somebody misses a night of sleep, just one night, if you sleep deprive them, they essentially have more of this trash, toxins, and waste build up in the brain. And long-term, that trash, that waste, those toxins are essentially the hallmarks of diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And we're even learning things like depression are, can be a buildup of this, this trash-like material. Basically, what we're really saying is that we need to sleep to wash our brain, to, to clean out those toxins, to clean out those that, that garbage. 
And the long-term and short-term impacts of that are that we need to have a, essentially a clean brain, which is a healthy brain. Some more evidence that, that sleep is important is everything you learn during the day is a connection made between your brain cells. When you sleep at night while you're dreaming, you make those connections stronger. So essentially, in order to preserve and strengthen your memory, you really have to get a good night's sleep. So staying up all night and studying the same thing over and over again is not the way to prepare for the test? Yes, you are. That's a... I I say, I mention this all the time, and that is that you are definitely better off closing that book and at some point and saying, I really need to get a good night's sleep. And of course, the best scenario is you know, studying days ahead of time. So you have multiple night sleeps to consolidate that information. But if you've ever learned something and then you go to a good night's sleep and you're like, wow, I, I know this better the next day, or you've memorized something and it sticks more after a good night's sleep, that's the, that's the practical aspect of what's happening there. Sleep makes your memory stronger. So you're much better off at some point closing the book and, and saying, I've done enough. I'm, I'm actually sabotaging myself if I've tried to pull an all-nighter here. And is are you able to look from, I know the category of people is called something, people who are 85 and older or whatever that, like longevity studies. Mm-hmm. When you look at people who are brain well in their 80, late 80s and 90s, can you go retroactively and see whether they were good sleepers? It's a piece of the puzzle. So we, we're learning that brain health throughout our life is many different things. And sleep is one of those things. And if we look at people who are what you call, if you're referring to people who are like super agers, people who are, they're like in their 80s and 90s and they have the brain function of somebody in their 40s or 50s, usually what you see is those people had really effective sleep in their life. But it's usually not the only thing. And so it's a piece of of a, of a larger puzzle, but it's definitely an important piece. What about, um, I've had teens go through this where they are, to your point, you talked about nine and a half hours. We know that kids are not getting anywhere near what they should be getting. And so now here comes the weekend, right? And it becomes a big catch-up time. And we've got kids sleeping till noon or one. And, you know, we, we've gone through this specifically with one of our teens and trying to, uh, you know, avoid that, but they're so sleep deprived. So how do you, what's the answer to that? What should they do? What's the recommendation? There's conflicting studies here. Some studies say that the catch up on the weekend is not very helpful and that chronically trying to say that, well, I'll, I'll miss sleep during the week and I'll always make it up on the weekend. And this is for any age that over time, you're just going to be sleep deprived. And it's as if you're not getting that catch up. There's other studies that suggest that it's possible that that weekend catch-up can have some benefit. So if we take two conflicting studies and we try to look at all the data, essentially what we're saying is during the week, we should really be prioritizing sleep and saying, I really shouldn't be relying on this weekend catch-up. So I should every night try my best, know that it's never going to be perfect, but try to go to bed at a time where I will be getting enough sleep. If I need to get a nap, that's fine. And then if on the weekend, if I need an extra hour or, or, or so on the weekend or I need a nap, that's fine. But getting away from the mentality of at any age, I'll make it up on the weekend. I'll do significantly less during the week and make it up on the weekend. That's what we want to move away from. But if people are tired and they need catch up on the weekend, you know, to supplement a little bit here and there, then then we want people to have rest. Um, so it's kind of a balance between, you know, a, an all or nothing answer. So I, I want to get into more of the tips for people. But before that, I also want to acknowledge that teenagers don't do what we tell them. 
It's not a simple, I heard this interview, and I have such good things for you to do now. So tonight, bedtime is 9 o'clock, right? Like, it's just not going to happen. So keeping that in mind, is there a way to convince a teen or have them kind of internalize what we're talking about today to see the benefits of it? How do, how do people help their kids who maybe don't want help implement some of these things? Well, in the past, there's been this badge of honor about not getting enough sleep. That I'm I'm like a warrior and I don't need sleep and I'm I'm almost proud of it. But people are starting to really make statements about how much sleep has been critical to their success. So one avenue is to think about if a teenager is really into sports or they're really into you know academics or uh, any aspect. What what do they like? And then trying to find that person who is now making the statement that if I didn't sleep well, I wouldn't have been as successful. And we're seeing that with people like Tom Brady and, and Bill Gates and, there's all, and, and Jeff Bezos and all these people that are saying their secret weapon is sleep. And it was sleep when they were younger. So I think that looking at a role model situation that's even outside of the home of somebody who has been really successful in, a, in some aspect that the teenager is interested in is one thing to be to, to think about. Um, because that can be a way to say like, oh, wow, that was that was a that was an important piece of their success. And that's something that I aspire to. I think it's it, that's fantastic. And I love the names you threw out there because no one cha- impacts change more than athletes or successful businessmen, moms and dads. So down on the list of, of <laughs> who's going to make that change. So that's that's <laughs> that's really helpful. You touched on something earlier I want to go back to, Mark. You were talking about, I think you said it in the context of brain health, and Mm -hmm. touched on something about the food you eat during the day or something. I want to go back to that. Will you address that? Are there tips in terms of food and and maybe exercise, too? Can we talk about those two things? Yeah. So when we think about sleep, we often lay there in bed at night thinking, why am I not sleeping? What happened in the last 10 minutes or what happened in the last hour? When we really need to be thinking about what happened the whole day. And so that's including what we ate the whole day and how much activity and how much exercise we got that day and how much outside time that we got. And a a really important aspect of this is that saying, okay, from the moment I got up, what was I eating and how much was I hydrated? And so Definitely diet is very individualized. Some things work for some people and don't work for others. But in all the books and all the studies on diet, we pretty much can agree that if we just try to focus on foods that are not overly processed, things that don't aren't filled with all these additives and preservatives, and that's a first step. Because what we, we are learning is that those additives and preservatives impact our gut health, which also can impact our sleep. And so just taking a moment and saying, okay, what I'm about to eat, <laughs> I like to always mention this to people, will it ever spoil? Like it should spoil, not when you're eating it, <laughs> but at some point that that thing should spoil. I, I always tell people about the Twinkie in the museum yeah. in Chicago yeah. that's been unwrapped for 30 years. <laughs> oh, God. That's what we want to be aware so of. So you don't recommend Twinkies? Uh, I would say not every day. <laughs> How about ho-hos? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, those things that where it looks like a, a science experiment gone wrong on the packaging and you can't pronounce the ingredients. If we could, it, just a starting point is for sleep health and brain health is for most of the time trying to eat things that have whole natural ingredients and, and are much, you go back to things before food became heavily processed and think about that for most of most of the meals during the week and then getting 
some time outside, getting time in nature. It could be a backyard, a local park. All these studies are showing now that that simple trick of even if you live in a city, in, a, in, the, in the middle of the city, get to a park, get to a backyard, about 20 minutes a day, not only helps stress levels, helps us sleep at night and that fresh air. You know, we're, we're living in a world where a lot of us are going from cars to offices to classrooms, and we're missing out on what our brain evolved to be in, which is outside and natural light and activity and movement. And so making sure we're getting enough of that plus food that is a little bit more natural as, a, as, a, as, as, as opposed to overly processed is just some really important, very easable, easy, easily done tips. Speaking of easy solutions, there's nothing easier than taking a pill, taking melatonin or one of the PMs, or now there's this whole discussion about CBD. Mm-hmm. Are they tricking us? Are they helping us? Those are really important points. So we can go uh, step by step there. First step is that the recommendation now is before anyone takes any sort of supplement or any sort of pill, prescription or non-prescription, they really give an honest try to the things under the category of sleep hygiene. Um, that's That comes from basically the Academy of Sleep Medicine. That that's the, that's the focus now is let's not turn to any of these things before we give an honest try to what we're eating, our amount of exercise, the light in the room, the hour before bed, the mindfulness, those things first. If somebody is still having trouble sleeping, then sleep is important. They want to go to their personal physician. And what is not recommended is the -the over-the-counter sleep aids. So that even though somebody will say, well, I'll use the side effect of an allergy medication that will make me feel drowsy, that must be helpful. We have studies that show that those medications actually have a negative impact on memory. And so the concern is those medications don't allow the brain to go through the washing process effectively. They don't allow the brain to go through the sleep cycle effectively. So I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say, oops. I'll be correcting that one. <laughs> Wait, is melatonin in that category? One step back on, okay. on the, uh, just because I, I, I always want to say if, don't panic if somebody's taking the over-the-counter sleep aids. Don't go cold turkey. The concern is long-term use. And always check in with a physician if somebody's been using a medication for a long time. Cold turkey can be very dangerous. And, and talk about what, what are the other options. And uh, in terms of melatonin, melatonin is a, a supplement. Melatonin is definitely important to help us sleep. But in the supplement form, it's also no longer recommended. And the reason it's no longer recommended is... It is not regulated by the FDA, so you you really don't know what you're getting. And studies have shown that the melatonin that is available in supplement form can be either too much, too little, or totally different things. Melatonin also can interfere with other medications someone's taking, and melatonin can disrupt endogenous melatonin release, which is the brain's ability to make its own melatonin. So the, the recommendation, unless a personal physician feels that an individual definitely needs melatonin or it's a responsible choice for this individual. Even though you go to the health food aisle, you go on the internet, everyone says take melatonin, take melatonin. It's not recommended. And so that's where this this stands is that there's definitely been a, a movement away from these t- sorts of, of supplements based upon the data. And then the prescription medications, we don't know nearly as much about, but they're being used now in a different way, much more responsibly. So they can be used, but now we're thinking lowest dose, not long-term. What are the prescription medications? Can you name them for us? There's everything from the ambience to the sonatas. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, you know, there's a long list of them, and they impact people very differently. They, they 
don't seem to help people get really quality sleep. But if somebody needs them, they can be used responsibly. But we want to be very careful with them, as opposed to a few years ago where they were really given out very often and not with follow-ups. And now the idea is let's use them as a, as a secondary measure and not as a first line of defense and be very careful and responsible with, with the dosing and the usage, the time usage of them. All right. Well, I am a little, like, bummed. <laughs> Now I'm already anxious about tonight's sleep, but that's a different conversation. Yeah, but I'm I'm gonna find the checklist and I'm gonna I'm gonna try all those things tonight and and off the record I'll get back to you on it. <laughs> so okay, yeah. I didn't give you this question beforehand, Mark, so you could take a second if you need to think about it. But mm-hmm. we ask all of our guests, what's the biggest myth about parenting? Maybe that there's just one right way to do it, or that that it's easy. I think that as somebody who is a parent and is every day trying to take everything I can learn about it, but then also apply it to my own kids, and I have two, and they're different, is trying to think about almost like how we're taking and trying to make healthcare as personalized as possible, is that parenting to be as personalized as possible, is that to have the back and forth so that we're looking and listening to how our children are responding to what we're saying and what we're doing and our actions and try to tailor that personally to that specific child. That was perfect and beautiful. And thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Great to be here. Thanks for joining us for Your Teen with Sue and Steph. If you have any topics that you want us to talk about, let us know on our Facebook page or email editor at yourteenmag.com. Also, if you want to receive our newsletter, head on over to yourteenmag.com. Your Team with Sue and Steph is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to executive producer Michael D'Aloya, plus producer Hannah Leach and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. If you like today's podcast, please leave us an iTunes review or send the episode to a friend. You can find more from us at yourteenmag.com, at evergreenpodcast.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast.